Hello and welcome. Today we're continuing a community series of conversations with industry experts. Godwin Rappanay has extensive experience in lean manufacturing methodologies and a proven track record of implementing sustainable cultural change within a shop floor environment. Godwin has worked with many large and well-known companies, consulting with their executive teams to support them in driving team efficiencies. He's a highly sought after expert within this field. We started the conversation with a question about his role as a business transformation specialist and what that entailed. According to your LinkedIn profile, Godwin, you're a business transformation specialist. Can you tell us a bit more about what that means? Yeah, uh, well, I currently work for a company called Vative. And then what we do is we, um, we uh, help organisations uh, commence their journey into the lean. And then as part of that, we assist and help them develop a continuous improvement culture. But more importantly is we help them and show them how to sustain and grow a culture of continuous improvement. And I do it and we, and, and we also do it on our three-pronged strategy. One, the first is we introduce them to the lean tools that they need to ensure a more stable and capable working environment. And so we'd use tools such as 5S, visual management, quick changeover, standardised work. And so once these tools are trained and embedded, we then move on to the second strategy, and that is we work with employees of the organisation and help them to problem solve, to, to have give them a, a more structured method to problem solve. And that starts from basic things like plan, do, check, act, to more complex methods of problem solving, such as Six Sigma. And there are three levels of Six Sigma that we apply. There's the yellow belt entry, green belt, all the way up to black belt. Part of that strategy is also, is to teach them to identify waste within their processes. And there are eight different categories of waste, and we take them through that so they can help identify and improve their organisation. And the third part of the strategy is we help organisations think about the sustainability of continuous improvement culture. So we talk to them about and uh, things such as core, lean core values. And there are three lean core values that are very, very important to the sustainability of a continuous improvement culture. There is respect for people, respect for process, and go and see. And we also teach them about lean behaviours, lean leadership behaviours. And we take different meanings to the words to be repeatable, predictable and measurable as a leader and as a, as a working organisation. So all of these three pronged strategy help to develop a continuous in culture over time. So can you flesh out, um, Godwin, because a lot of our listeners won't know, they may not have heard the term lean methodologies and a lean culture. What, what is it that characterises that? I know you've already said, um, you've described some of it, but what is it that really um, describes what a lean culture should look like? And is it a continuous process that companies are on and they, there's never an ultimate point where they are, that they've reached? Uh, yeah, it, it, is, it is a never-ending journey for lean. And, and as the connotations of continuous improvement, you would think would mean, it means exactly that. You're continually looking at making small steps, small improvements along the journey. And, and lean is just a means to have a mindset of identifying and eliminating waste within your processes. Now, everything that we do, from making a cup of tea to 
building a motor car has processes. And with all of those processes, there are elements of waste. And we need to understand that a customer who wants a product only wants the product, not all the waste that actually goes into making that product, which in turn add costs. And so what Lean does helps you identify what is value add for the customer, what the customer is willing to pay for, and what is non-value add. And there is a third category, which is business value add. And so we help organization actually understand the three differences, talk about the voice of the customer, and look at ways through Lean to eliminate waste, reduce cost, improve delivery, and improve quality. So you worked for many years in management at a large Melbourne manufacturer, Godwin, uh, and this company then was forced to close. Can you tell us about why it was forced to close and how the company went about doing that? And what was your role as part of that? Sure. Uh, so firstly, uh, the manufacturing company that I was involved with has been around in Victoria for, for over 60 years. And not too long ago, they took the decision to shift their operations to overseas. They had factories overseas, they had the capacity, so it made business sense for them to move their operations overseas. That in turn meant that the three large factories, complexes here, had to close. The, uh, and I look back on at it with pride because the company decided to tell the employees three years before we actually closed down. And I say that with pride because that took a lot of trust in people and in employees to do that. Uh, and so th there were a number of reasons why. Firstly, the obvious reason is a significant decision of that, of that nature. You couldn't keep it a secret for that long. And so the rumors and the innuendos would you just be a complete distraction? But when you think about it, telling people three years that you're going to be closing, the average service, employee service for that company was 20 years. So a decision like that was quite devastating to a lot of them and quite emotional. But using that three-year period, it allowed them to develop skill sets and plan and get their head around what the next chapter in their lives was going to look, at, look like. What was your role when you started there? How long had you been there? And once the executive had given the directive that they were closing, what role did you play in that? Yeah, well, um, I started way back in the uh, mid-70s so as, a, as a junior clerk and worked all of my way through to managerial role. Um, at the time of closure, or when the decision was made of closure, I was fortunate enough to, uh, to be a member of the plant operating committee. So it really fell upon us to communicate to the employees the decision to close and really be there to support them and deal with the emotion of closing and what that meant to them. And being uh, fortunate enough to be on the plant operating committee as I was, it allowed us to think about, well, what is the next three years gonna look like? What are we going to do to protect our customer from the impact of closure over the three year period? without jeopardising safety, quality, delivery and cost. And so we really tried to develop some strategies around how we were gonna do that. And after a little while of trying to develop these strategies and, and how the three years was gonna look like, we decided to fall back on those core values because the company that I was working for was quite mature in terms of their CI culture. And so they did have lean was quite embedded in, in, their, in their DNA. And so it was natural for us to fall back on those core values. So if we look at the first one being respect for people, we needed to think about 
well, what is in it, in it for them? What is going to be in it for the individual, for them to have skin in the game over the next three years? And so that changed the mindset. So instead of us trying to think of ways to protect the customer from the decision that was made, it was about us supporting our employees so they in turn could protect the customer through that three-year period. Thinking that way, we meant that we need to work out ways of what we're going to do to help the transition for our employees. And some of the things that we did was we had job fairs. So we invited other employers from other organisations to come visit us, set up their shops, and then the two could meet. So the employee, our employees knew what kind of skill sets they needed in, in the job role that they wanted to perform. And in turn, the employer got a chance to actually meet our people uh, and see what they were, they were all about. We also invited, over that three-year period, subject matter experts that helped our employees on things like resume writing, interview skills, and also got them to go to classes to upgrade their skills to other organisations. And of course, the other thing we also did was we, uh, we were still in a position to redeploy, whether it be local or overseas. So we made that available as much as we possibly can, identified those vacancies, looked at what skills needed to happen and gave those skills or, or gave the training for those skills as best as we possibly could. So it sounds counterintuitive, respecting people, but it sounds like that flow through occurred that uh, the company was committed to respecting their workers, who in turn were respecting the process as they went along, knowing that their jobs were going to be completed within three years. Yeah, the thing about it here is no one liked the decision. Uh, and, you know, if we all had a magic wish, we wished it didn't come and life was back to normal. But knowing that we couldn't change that, there was some level of comfort uh, that knowing that, you know, you had support to look at what the next chapter in life is going to look like. And that support came back tenfold to the company in the fact that you know, people turned up for work, did their job as best they could. And the result we saw at the end, when we had, uh, you know, we had our quality and our safety uh, throughout that three period didn't diminish. In fact, it improved right to the very end. So respect for people as one of those core values was absolutely fundamental. The other part of the core value uh, was respect for process. And really, when you think about it, we, because we were, such, we were so mature in our lean journey, our processes were fairly robust uh, as a standalone process. So we really had to have faith in our processes over the next over those three years. So we didn't want to mess with them. What we did was we just added uh, whatever we thought was necessary to complement those processes. The other uh, value, calling value, is go and see. And so we took that on board in, in terms of meaning business as usual. So the management team, everyone was as business as usual, meetings ran as normal, it was a normal day. Part of that also is to ensure that we had pride in our work, pride in the factory that we worked in, pride in the facilities. So nothing ran down, nothing looked shabby, everything was always made sure that it was either painted or cleaned to the very end. Mm -hmm. And presumably if, um, as you said, the productivity and the standards were actually increased over that three year period, rather than deteriorated, um, all of those workers would have been better situated to actually go on to further employment elsewhere. Well, that's right, because you know, they had uh, the reference of where they worked for to fall back on for them, for them to, to sell themselves. And to be honest with you, as the years have passed, I still look back on that three-year period with a sense of pride, knowing that 
you know, people were treated with dignity uh, and people were treated with respect from day one right through the very end. And, and the f even that, you know, the last day was such a sad day, there was no bitterness about it. And I think that says a long way, about, it, says, it says a lot about how we were, they were treated. We look forward to uh, reading your, your book when you publish it on that. <laughs> Got it. Um, so what are your thoughts on this change management process and how is it best implemented? What are some of the best practices you've seen and what are some of the worst practices you, you can compare them to? Well, in terms of change management, there are uh, a number of opinions in terms of what is good and what is bad. But I think there are some common themes that really stand out for a good change management system. The first one is communication. Um, I w worked with someone long, not too long ago who always used to tell me, if you're gonna make a change, tell them, tell them, tell them again. So you can never over communicate when it comes to a good management, change management system. The second part is ensuring that you involve the people who are directly and indirectly involved in the change. And you, it wouldn't surprise you to know that if you are surprised by a change that you either didn't know about or didn't quite understand, your first instinct as, it, as being a, a human being is to challenge it and try and question it why the change was made in the first place and try and poke holes in it. So if you involve the people who are affected by the change and actually get them to contribute to the change, suddenly they're invested and the change has a chance, a much better chance to work. And the, and the other part that uh, we need to be thinking about is, the other ingredient is having proper planning. It's important to have proper planning during the change and proper planning is in two folds. One is ensuring that the resources, the timeline, the savings and the cost of the change are realistic. And the third part of the planning process is making sure you have a good monitoring plan. So once the change is in, you're able to react and, and govern and monitor how well effectively you've implemented that change. And also, you need to plan about having proper controls to ensure that once the change is in, it stays in and it's sustainable over time. In your capacity with your work with Vative, what part of that process are you called in? Is it the company has just decided to implement change or have they attempted to and it's been an abject failure and so you have to come in and mop up the mess? Well, predominantly, it's, it's, it's the first part. They want to actually start their change and, and, and adopt lean and continuous improvement and they involve us in. And I can give you an example of a company that we worked on uh, that wanted to in, uh, invest in lean and, and actually develop a continuous improvement culture in their distribution warehouses area. And similar to the previous company, they had uh, different ends of the, of the spectrum. One was closing, the other one needed to grow. Yet they chose the same three values to actually get them on their journey. So this, this company that I was working for uh, wanted to invest into, into lean and, and develop a continuous improvement culture. So they, without even knowing, someone within the company said to me, a good change management system starts with identifying and then reducing or removing the fear of uncertainty. If you do that, you're on the well way of getting an effective change. And this company did exactly that. So looking at the core values, which is respect for people, they made sure that before we launched the change into lean and continuous improvement culture, that they all got the same communication at the same time. 
They all had the training at the same time. So training wasn't pocketed here, here and there, and so other people didn't feel as valued because they weren't put into the unit at the same time. So they actually got on, on board about that. So once you identify the fear of uncertainty, there are three components to a fear of uncertainty. There it is, what's in it for the individual. And so that company recognised that by making sure everyone got trained, no individual felt devalued. The second part of eliminating the, the, the uncertainty was what's in it for the team. And so from the team's perspective, the mantra for this company was, you get to make this place a better work place to work in. So they had the opportunity to voice their opinion, to look at improvements within their area, and the leadership group supported that process. And the third part of removing the uncertainty is what's in it for the greater good. Now, in terms of the company that closed, the greater good was they were going to relocate uh, to improve their capacity, and so the business would continue. For this company, their greater good was to implement continuous improvement culture to allow them to be have a more stable, capable working environment for them to grow. So the two work hand in hand. Mm. I suppose uh, post-COVID, Godwin, there'll be many situations that Vadiv will be involved with that involve both those um, prospects, either winding down, winding up, and also growth in some sectors. Uh, well, certainly we'll be looking to uh, assist organisations with growth. And, and there is a lot of um, familiarities and a lot of specific processes that we would do to assist in their growth uh, within problem solving, within eliminating of waste and identifying that waste, and even using a simple tool as a value stream map to actually map out all their processes and highlight opportunities for them to develop projects uh, and use problem solving tools to address those issues and, and improve their, their working environment. Um, so when you're um, working in this space of assisting companies uh, to, Im to you know, it essentially review uh, and improve their internal processes and their workplace practices, um, what have you learnt about leadership and employment and the mindset of a worker and also best practice? Interesting. Um, I've been, in my time, I've been fortunate enough where I've had three role models and people who are, are, are leaders. Uh, and each, each of the three were quite different in their styles, worked in different organisations, but they had certain similarities. And the similarities they had is they both had, all three of them had this sense of um, how to, to treat an individual. Uh, they had this charisma about uh, getting the trust and including people in their conversation and in the decision making. And they really struck a fine balance between what had to be done and using every opportunity as a, as a teaching and a, and a mentoring opportunity and recognising the opportunities to address improvement. And so that balance was really, really nurturing and that, that's what made them great, great role models for me. Um, in terms of, of an employee, the mindset I've always had in my mind is no one ever wakes up in the morning and says to themselves, today I'm going to go to work, I'm going to do a bad job. And so when they come to work and things don't go according to plan or the quality isn't right or, the, or, or something is going wrong, nine times out of ten, it's not the operator, it's not the person, it's the process. So 
the, the catch cry to one of these role models that I spoke to you about was always be hard on the process, soft on the people. And it's that mindset that gets you the trust and the commitment from the shop floor or from the, from the people from the organisation to be able to contribute because you remove the fear of failure and you allow them to contribute and voice an opinion for the improvement of the, of the whole company. Mm. So many within our network of listeners here are just entering the workforce. We've got uh, young school leavers uh, and also people who've only been in the workforce for a couple of years. What's your advice to them in terms of what you see as being growth sectors and also standing out as an individual candidate? And also, what fields of study do you see as being good fields to pursue? More to be perfectly honest with you, I don't think I have the expertise to tell individuals what courses to take or what jobs specifically you need to go for and where the growth is going to be. But I can certainly say a few years, a long, long time ago, I was given some advice and I think it's still relevant today. And, and, and there are four pieces to this advice. The first one is... No matter what you choose in terms of study or in a career path, try and leave yourself with choices. The more choices you have, the better opportunities for you to, to divert to other areas. The second part of the, the advice given to me is, is always seek out the opportunity and grab it. Don't sit back waiting for someone to tap you on the shoulder and say, have I got a job for you? If you see something, go sell yourself, go up and get it. It may not be the one that you want right away, but it'll give you something as a stepping stone to what you want. The third part of the advice is be flexible. Look at what skills that you currently have and what skills you need to contribute to the company you're working for. Have the mindset about making the company better and how you can contribute towards that. The fourth part for me here is if you are in a job and once you are employed in a particular role and you understand that role thoroughly, Look at ways to make it better. So leave the job better than the way you found it. For me, I've always had the mindset of trying to leave a legacy behind the role I'd created or I took part in. So that would be my advice. So the continuous improvement that you're trying to implement on the shop floor is what you're suggesting people actually um, take on board in a personal way and keep themselves current, keep themselves continuously improving. Correct. It, it really, it's about continually learning and continually adapting and, and getting the skills that the companies need. But more importantly, looking at ways of contributing. It, it's got to be a two-way street. And, and I think organisations look for people who contribute more than just doing their role or doing their part, but contribute in terms of their ideas. Because at the, at the end of the day, the people who are doing the work, the people at the shop floor level or the factory or, or the office level, they live and breathe these processes. And it's only human nature to look at ways to shortcut. And it's those shortcuts we need to identify uh, and, and enhance to ensure that they don't compromise safety or quality, but we enhance those, those shortcuts to the betterment of cost savings and, and eliminating waste. Now, this may or may not make the cut of the interview, Godwin, but I, do you feel comfortable sharing about how you were courted after you'd gone into semi-retirement? And a little bird told me that a company was so keen to have you on board and your skill set that they had business cards printed out before you had fully committed. <laughs> uh, well, sure, I'm, ha I'm happy to say the story. Um, I, I actually chose, I retired um, back in 2018. 
and uh, I thought that would be it for me. I was quite happy to uh, venture out in my new my new chapter in my life, which included a red car and a um, set of golf sticks. Yes, yes, you got to have the red convertible and you got to have the, the new golf sticks as part of the package. It was really nice, uh, and uh, after ha- re- enjoying uh, the, both the car and, and and the golf club, uh, a few months down the track, a f- an old uh, colleague of mine called me and said, hey, what are you doing? I've heard you've retired. Come and uh, sit on one of my training days. And so he was doing a, a yellow belt introduction to, to uh, Six Sigma and I sat on the first day of his training session. And I obviously couldn't help myself because a lot of the, the, uh, the content was very familiar to me. And so I, was, I started to get involved and I started to, to contribute to, to that particular day on the training day. Um, the day finished, I said goodbye, that was the end of it. Um, about six o'clock that evening, I got a phone call from this friend of mine said, would you be interested in a job, come and have a chat. So we had a chat uh, and as during the conversation, there were the business cards with my name on it, so, <laughs> which was, I thought was very nice of them to do. I was, I was very grateful for the opportunity. <laughs> Good on you guys. Well, we'll um we might wrap it up and thanks for joining us today. It's just been terrific and we love the support that you've given to our company, Communis, and we really value your skill set and your mentoring as well. So we can definitely add a testimonial to the people who've printed out business cards for you. Thanks again. <laughs> Thank you, Morris. Appreciate the time. Thank you.